0: I was asked a question about why we celebrate black history uh, from a Christian perspective, and one of the three points I gave was about the fact that it's, we need to be thankful to those who have shown us the way forward. And I want to share with you a, a story in my family because one of those people who showed us the way forward was my father's great-grandfather. It's better to say that way than my great-great-whatever. Well, so my father's great-grandfather, was an indentured slave from Ghana. All the, uh, the slave ships came from Ghana to Guyana because the um, Portuguese discovered gold in Guyana and they needed people to work in the gold mines. But an indentured slave means that the slave is not bought or sold, they simply aren't paid for their work, but they can also buy themselves out of slavery or out of servitude. The story is also told, in actual fact, in Guyana we still have a monument, and perhaps we'll always have a monument, of Coffee, because Coffee was a slave from Brazil that freed himself and came around the water shores to Guyana. And his name is Kofi, the monument is still there in Guyana. There was a connection between Guyana and Ghana that lasted, still does, because when British Guyana, I was born in British Guyana, when British Guyana became Guyana, they took the, a, the I out of Guyana, or Guyana, and it became, why, Guyana? It's the only, it's the first time in my life I danced, uh, because I was brought up in a brethren home where dancing was not cool when it comes to being God's child. Uh, But I danced and I tramped for nine hours on the roads in Guyana because we were celebrating Ghana's Independence Day. It took me years when I went to Ghana to realize the connection. Anyway, my my father's great-great-grandfather bought himself out of slavery bought a coconut plantation that was in existence until I was in my late 20s, and then bought, built a congregational free church in Guyana that still exists today. That's showing us the way forward, out as, the, as the Hans Christian Andersen song says, out of the ashes come the roses of success. So I just wanted to share that with you, because for me he was a freedom fighter. And my, my message tonight is about the fact that we are freedom fighters for Christ. It's interesting that the whole evening we've been singing about being free. But if we're free, we're supposed to do something with freedom. The person I want to share a little bit about you tonight, but before I start with her, I want to read a passage of scripture. Because oh, things are falling apart around us. And we can find ourselves falling apart with it instead of getting above it and showing a way out of it. We are freedom fighters. John chapter 10, verse seven to 10, and I read that very quickly. Jesus said again, I assure you and most certainly tell you, I am the door of the sheep leading to life. All who come before me, false prophets and messiahs, or appointed leaders, are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep don't hear them. That's relational. We're supposed to have such a relational connection with God that we know the false teachers and the false prophets. Because God says they are thieves and robbers. They're there to take from you what God wants you to have. He goes on to say, I'm the door. and Anyone who enters through the door will be saved and will live forever and will go in and out and find pasture, spiritual security. I'm just taking you through some verses and then I'll tell a story because we need to know who we are. A lot of times we sing the songs, we do the dance, but we don't have the authority that God has given us. We don't use the authority to overcome the things in our lives that we can overcome. A lot of things we go and ask God for, and he's saying, but I've given you the authority to deal with it, deal with it. You don't have to come to me with it, deal with it. You already have the victory over that situation. Let's begin to live in the victory of Christ rather than what our bodies tell us and the doctors tell us and our politicians tell us. What is God saying about you? That's the most important thing. You can go to bed at night and wake up in the morning and know that he is faithful, he is true, and he will never fail you. A thief only comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but he says, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. That's full and overflowing. Therefore, what is the biblical understanding of abundance? As we give ourselves totally to God, he gives himself totally to us. It's interesting, it says the other way, we want him to to be here, he's always here by the way, he's never gone anywhere. When you feel in your life, you're going through stuff, I don't know what valley you're in today, but you may be going through something and you think God has moved, he has not, you have moved. He never moves. He is as faithful, and what he says in his word is true. But sometimes we have moved, and we don't realize we have moved. He has said, I've come to give you a life, not just life, but abundant life. What does that mean? The Bible, excuse me, as we give ourselves to him, sorry, I'm repeating, he gives himself to us. The Bible-based prosperity is the real possibility of health and total well-being in body, mind, emotions, relationships. That's the abundance of God. Of our material needs being met above all, his prosperity brings eternal life. Jesus said that he came to give life, not just our ordinary existence, but life in his fullness, abundance, prosperity. God's covenant with us is a covenant of abundant life. Why would we not have the abundant life that God wants us to have? Why don't we have the abundant life that God wants us to have? Look away from ourselves, look to him. It may not come in the way you expect it, but it will come. When my sister uh, a few years ago, my sister went to be with the Lord and one of my sisters, and her son was doing the eulogy and he said, he was confused because we were all praying that God would heal her. And the, the elders were walking around the house every day for one hour praying. But we saw her healed, but she saw her healing. But her son said he was challenged by that. And then God answered him and said, there are only two answers to a prayer. Yes and yes. Either your yes or my yes. Did you want her to be healed or to be healed? To be loved or to be loved? To be with family or to be with family? Prayer answered. Just not your way. And we have to have this, as I'm reading these verses, because we need to have such a a foundation in who Christ is that we we are not moved by the things that happen around us. We stay firm in it. Do we understand? No. But we thank him for what he has done and what he is doing. He has a purpose. He doesn't do anything without a purpose. Every year in my life, and I've read the verses, I hope you understand prosperity, abundance, eternal life, A relationship with him that causes you to know the false teachers, the false prophets. Every year I choose someone or a statement that takes me through the new year. It inspires that person or phrase inspires and enables me really each year to fulfill God's call on my life. In 1991, the person who did that was Harriet Tubman and I want to share a little about her life. Sitting in my new office, where Mark's sitting room is, (laughs) that was my office (laughs) for several years. And I'm sitting there not knowing what I'm doing there because the call of God came on my life while I was looking at television, by the way. I wasn't praying for ministry. Let me say this at this point. Don't be confused. We're all supposed to be disciples. We're all supposed to be ministers. We're all supposed to be freedom fighters. We're all supposed to be helping others to be free. But when there's a call in your life, it's a completely different thing. And I was sitting looking at television and God called and I ignored it. And then the next week was another call. And this time I was sure I had to do something and I stood up from my sofa. And when I stood up, my whole attitude changed, and I knew that I had to do something about what God was saying. 91, I'm sitting in that office, having been told that that's what I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to set up a pastoral care division. At that time, Kensington Devil was 5,000 people, 110 nationalities, everybody has a different idea of care. <laughs> and I had been a nurse until then. And I just sat in the office just going, Lord, Here we are, me, you, and the four walls, literally. And the name Harriet Tubman popped into my spirit. And I'd read her story many years before. Harriet Tubman, this, there's a picture of her I think you must have just seen. This little, I mean, I thought, she's only five foot nothing and I'm taller than her. I can do something if she can do it. This was the moment I knew that I could do whatever God asked me to do because she said, he will show me. And I decided that he would show me. I would like to share with you a little bit about her story. She was born amatia a Minty, she was known as Minty Rose, one of nine children all born in slavery. Her slave master was determined to have Minty, and Minty wouldn't obey and wouldn't have it, and so she just, even though she was married to a free man, he decided to sell her. She and her husband, they got all the paperwork to say that they're now free, both free. They were dancing, they were celebrating her free. Now she's free because she's married to a free man and the papers came through proving that, but the slave master said no. So the husband was free, but Minty was still a slave. And she was 27 years old. She saw her sister sold and she decided to run away. At that point, Minty, let me tell you a bit of the story uh, the earlier years. At the age of 13, she got a, a brick of three pounds, hit her in her head. It was meant for someone else and not a slave, but it hit Minty. And Minty, all her life, had headaches and seizures and insomnia, and yet she did what she did. Stop looking at the obstacles in your life. And look at what God is saying. She didn't look at the obstacles. She had enough for her to say, I'm going to sit still. But she didn't. She started to free slaves when she got free. The husband was free, but actually, when she decided to run away, he didn't want to come with her. He stayed. Maybe he was afraid to be actually free, or he had become comfortable with the life he had been living. Are you in fear of your freedom? that God has given you. Galatians 5.1 says, let us, it tells us, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Completely liberating us, completely liberating us. Therefore, stand firm and don't let yourself be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Interesting the word slavery is used. Could it be that you have become comfortable with where you are right now? And you're afraid to run away with God? Are you willing to run away with God and be a freedom fighter for him? You are free. If you know and love the Lord here tonight, you are free, but you need to do something with your freedom. You need to make, or we need to be making others free. He wants to, sometimes we want to see the abundance first. We want to see God act first. You want to see first and then his, his answer to your prayers first before you do what you have to do for him. Some people, God has called you. You know what God wants you to do, but you have to put things into place. You, see, I, um, when the second call came on my life in 98, and I went to Colin, Den's, Colin Dye's office, then my senior pastor, and I didn't know what it was, and I just said, I'm pregnant. I heard myself say, I'm pregnant with something new in my spirit, and God confirmed through him that the call was from him, but I didn't quite know what it was but I was waiting to see God put things in place before I stepped out and realized that I couldn't do that. I had to simply step out and allow him to guide me by his Holy Spirit. And that meant being faithful for almost a year of waiting to see what God had for me. I went to America during that time, and I had decided I was living quite a different lifestyle before joining Katie, and so I had a lot of, um, you know, those things you need to cut up, those credit cards or whatever. (laughs) And so I decided I was going to uh, nurse a little more, uh, sort of do three nights a week agency nursing, and pay off all my bills, and debts rather, all my cards, and then I will have faith to trust God. With the call, because that call meant no income, no health plan, no pension plan. And so I had organized how I was going to do it. I said, September, I'm going to sign that thing saying I'm no longer practicing nursing. May of the year, God called the second time, it was May, the year before. I'm in America and I'm asked to end a meeting in prayer and I heard myself say, I believe God is asking me to lay down nursing completely. I thought God had my plan. <laughs> he was blessing my plan. So I came back to England. I am going to leave uh, in uh, in September. And the Holy Spirit said to me, when I asked you to lay down, it was not a plan, but a step of obedience. And I laid that down in May, the same time, the month that the call came, the year before. And I had to trust him. So let me say, if you are waiting for things to be in place, to move into the next level that God has for you stop waiting because he's waiting for you to move yeah. jo- Joshua 3:13 Joshua tells the people when you see the priests with the tabernacle uh, go to the river and they put their foot in the water the waters will part that's when I that's when I read it the first time There's a passage, sometimes a word in scripture changes the structure of scripture and so I read it again and it didn't say when they put their foot in the water, it said when they put the sole of their foot in the water, different process. If they put just their feet in the water, the weight of your body is still on your back leg. But when you put the sole of your foot, you can't go backwards. God is waiting for you perhaps to put the sole of your foot in the water to see the miracle you're waiting for. Because they had to be faithful and put their feet in the water to see the miracle of the seas parting for them to go over. Don't wait for God to answer your prayer before you step out in what God has for you. Take the first step. That's faith. Take the first step. He's waiting for you to put the sole of your foot, trusting him, he will not misguide you. He will not take anything from you that belongs to you. But you can give it up by not following him. Harriet escaped, ending up in Philadelphia. Along the way, there were places where she could stop, but most of it, she was running through the bush and bleeding, by the time she got to Philadelphia, her feet were bleeding, she had, her clothes were torn. Let me say, at this junction, a lot of those people who helped in that situation, and also in the Underground Railroad, were the Quakers, who were abolitionists. So they got to Philadelphia, lots of Quakers were in Philadelphia, and she found, to her surprise, there were a lot of other free slaves, slaves who were now free in Philadelphia, and she couldn't understand why they were doing nothing, just enjoying freedom. She was surprised to find so many. In Philadelphia, she became Harriet Tubman, taking on the name name of her husband was even told how to speak, how to dress, so when she goes into a new place, she would be seen as a free person. One day, Harriet was in a meeting of uh, um, uh, black and white uh, abolitionists, and she just said, I am going, she was just so frustrated of seeing these people just enjoying freedom, and she said, I'm going back to free my people, and they said, you can't do it on your own, and she said, God will show me how. Have you forgotten? And she said to them, Some of you, you have been, no, she said to them, sorry, you have been free too long. You've forgotten what it's like to be enslaved. Is it possible that we have been free too long, that we have forgotten what it is to be enslaved to go and free those who are enslaved by sin? Are we just enjoying our freedom? and forgetting that we've forgotten what it was like to be enslaved to sin, to to addictions, or whatever else may have happened in our lives. Have we forgotten that? I challenged myself when I was doing this. Have I forgotten what it's like to be free, and the importance of not just sitting and having coffee with my neighbors, but challenging them? And I mean that, because I just had coffee with a a, a lovely neighbor a, a few days ago, and I thought, I didn't challenge her. I need to start challenging people in my life who don't know the Lord because I am a freedom fighter. Are you a freedom fighter? You need to be challenging those. We have become freedom fighters because we have come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. He has taken us out of slavery of sin into the abundance of life in Him. As the scripture said in the beginning that I read, why are we being selfish and not sharing eternal life? Have we been free too long that we have forgotten our role is to make others free and being confident that He will take care of us in the process? Amen. See, we live in this um, what you call it, uh, immediate generation, isn't it? Everything is now. <laughs> so even in our prayer life, if we're not careful, has become now, God. And if it's not now, I'm leaving church. I can't believe in you because you didn't answer my prayer. My sister still died, so why why should I follow you? (laughs) We need to have our foundation and our roots so solid in him that, yes, we're living in a broken world. It's not the world God desired us to have. We are in a broken world. Genesis tells us that God wanted us to be fruitful, wanted us to multiply, wanted us to be prosperous, wanted us to walk in health. But then to give us back what the enemy had stolen, he then died on a cross. Amen. And if, we are, if you're here tonight and you know and love him, you have been saved from the sin that God has You have been saved by his death and resurrection, redeeming us back to himself. Let's free some people around us. Sometimes if we're not careful in this generation, in which we, this timing in which we live in the world, we just want everything. We want everything. I need a car, I need this, I need that. Uh, By the way, I need a car, if anybody has a car. I need a car, I need this. we're We're just wanting things. I don't know about you, but I decided that I was going to do two positions of prayer. One would be, of course, there's a time for supplication and asking God, supplication and thanksgiving, but there's also a time to just be quiet. That's my new season with him, of finding two positions for prayer. One, when I make my supplications and thanksgiving to him, but then another time when I just sit. Mother Teresa was asked, what do you say to God when you pray? She said, I listen. What does he say to you? He listens. How precious is that? When last have we, you, I, had the time to just sit still and not ask for anything? Just enjoy his presence. Yeah. Just enjoy him spoiling you because he loves you. He died for you. You're precious in his sight. You're a prince and a princess in his... You have crowns you can wear. What, when are we going to just... Sit. My mom, if I may tell you the story of my mother, in her eighties one day she said to me, she, she had a system. You, if Some of you may know my family, uh, the generation, so many of us are in ministry, etc. The cost was parents on both sides who just kept praying for us. Devotions was not an option. I remember trying to get myself late for school one morning so I would not have to put up with it. And I, I, I never did it again because when I got to school, I got caned for being late, so I never did it again. But devotions, my mom spent time praying. She had a book, a, a, an exercise book about this size, and she would turn to it, and she would look at all the names and the people she has to pray for because I, if I asked her to pray for you, she would put it in the book, and she would pray for you, for you oh, until I stop her and then she would get up and pray. She said to me one morning, she read the scripture and opened her book to pray, and remembered she forgot to take the meat out of the freezer. I don't know why she was cooking at 80, but there you go. And, and uh, 80 something for my father. Anyway, uh, one morning she got up and she said to my father, I have been cooking for you every day for over 70 years. I am done. (laughs) Anyway, she went back to her room and she said, the Holy Spirit said to her, Eileen, I've been waiting for you. How is that precious? Isn't that precious? When last have you heard the Holy Spirit say, I've been waiting for you. We're so busy. And if we're not careful, everything we do with God is on an eye. You know, only when we sit with this, we have ears. This has no ears, only eyes. This has ears. There's a reason why this book is the inspired word of God. Make sure you don't read, Let might say this at this point, make sure you don't read translations only. Make sure you read the word The translations are the love story. When you're in love with him and you've known him for a long time, those of you, when you go out there being freedom fighters, don't give a new believer a translation. They need the word. Because this is the only word that has the, the words, the blood, Jesus, it's not just him, it's Jesus. It's not just, you hear what I'm saying? Are you agreeing with me? Be careful what you give new believers to read. Don't say it's because they don't know Shakespeare anymore. Just explain, just get one that is readable, maybe the NIV, but not passion. Good translations, I read them, but I read them as well as the word. Be careful. One of the things she did, Harriet Tubman, was to go back to work in the plantations so that plantation owners, of course, is just another black lady, so they didn't know it was, it was Harriet. They're looking for her. You have to know that there was, a, there was a, a, bon, a bounty on her head. It started from $100 to $200 to $300. It went all the way up to $30,000, and they couldn't find Harriet because she said, God will show me if God is calling you to do something be assured that he will guide you he will lead you and he will, dis- he will move from you the things that will distract you and place on f- and place around you the things that are necessary that's what he did with me it wasn't easy but i realized what he was doing and i just had to put up with it <coughs> she would go to the plantations and she would listen to hear which slaves wanted to be free not all of them wanted to be free And she would say to them, when you hear me sing a song, during slavery, spirituals were used as a code. The slaves knew what was being said across the plantations. The owners didn't. They allowed them to sing because they worked harder and complained less. But the slaves were saying something. It could be, this is the night to go into the bush to learn to read or this is the night to go down to the waterfront and be baptized. So she said, when you hear me sing this song, steal away, steal away, steal away to Jesus. Steal away, steal away home, I ain't got long to stay. That meant tonight's the night. The, rail, the Underground Railroad starts. And the Underground Railroad were literally homes. Many of the homes were Quakers. There were homes where she would see a sign outside in the yard or something that would say, this is where we will hide the slaves for the, during the day. And then they... they, mar, they Um, took off in the evenings at night time. And she was doing all of this. People were, the police were looking for them because of course they began to realize slaves were being free. The slaves knew what was being said. It is documented that Harriet had a gun, but there's no evidence that the gun was ever used. It's possible, obviously, it's assumed that she had the gun in case a slave wanted to go back because then she couldn't do the work she was doing. She did 13 trips before she stopped. Later she said, her husband, by the way, she went back, the first person she went back for was her husband, only to find that he'd married someone else. You can imagine how she felt. She was broken, lost, and then she picked up herself (laughs) and started freeing the slaves. And it is written that she said after later on, I believe God took me through that valley so I would listen to him and the work he actually wanted me to do. I don't know what valley you're in right now, but check. See what God may be saying to you rather than trying to get out of it and miss what God wants you to do. Check. That's one of your weapons of warfare. For you, that you bring down the work of the enemy in your life, your health, and your relationships. She became a soldier in the Civil War, but she had a plan. There's a reason why she became a soldier. She became a soldier, a nurse, a spy. Of course, she belonged only to the black union uh, party, or army. She had a plan, she knew what she was doing. She was actually the first black woman soldier ever. She was five foot nothing. She had an intent in going to the army. It was to free the people that God showed her were waiting on the waterfront, ready to, but afraid rather, to come into the water. They wanted to get free, but they didn't know how, because all they could see is the sea. And God had shown her that the people were hiding at the waterfront, but the slave owners had sent men to try to find them. And she stood in the boat. She told these black army soldiers, we're the only ones that can free them. And she took them out on these three or four took them out in boats I don't know how many there were and she stood in one of the boats waiting for them to come out of the were coming coming out of the sea but they weren't and she just lifted her hands and she sang wait in the water wait in the waters wait in the waters God's going to stir up these waters, wait in the water, wait in the water, wait in the water, God's going to stir up these waters. And the people came crashing into the river. That day she freed 750 people. <laughs> and I'm thinking of this woman and the things she did, and I'm sitting in a very comfortable chair. In, her... <laughs> in those days, five of us were, there were five, uh, we were called directors, we, all, we, were had a, we were given an office and a car. I couldn't even drive. So Katie paid for me to learn to drive. Now the cars all went back after a year. <laughs> but the fact is that I'm sitting comfortably. I now have a, by then I had a comfortable home, a comfortable job, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking I can't do what God is asking me to do. Hey, all God is asking us to do is to lead someone to Christ. All he's asking us to do is to be freedom fighters and free people around us. Why can't we do that? Why can't I do this? Harriet Tubman, I, I did say she had seizures, etc., because I felt I should say to that point. She became a freedom fighter because she was free. Is it possible, like she said, they were free for so long that they had forgotten how to be enslaved? If you think of what she was experiencing, she was having headaches, profound headaches, seizures, sleepless nights. The last group of people she freed were her parents and her niece who was about to be attacked by three men in the house she was combing, the slave owners girls here, and these three young men were about to destroy this child and she rescued her and took them to safety to Philadelphia. She herself went to Philadelphia eventually at 91, or she died at 91, she went to be with the Lord. Can you see the crown on her head in heaven? There's a picture of her in uh, the Black History Museum in Washington, D.C. and she has a shawl around her shoulder and it says that Queen Victoria gave her that shawl for the work she did for the slaves. (laughs) Is it possible that we have become free, and I repeat it so long, that we've forgotten we're actually free to free others? We're supposed to be freeing those who are enslaved because we must not forget what it is like or what it was like to be enslaved. Knowing him as our savior, God has promised us abundant life. He has promised I will take care of you. We have an enemy who only shows us our weaknesses or makes us weak by looking inwards rather than upwards. Which voice do you believe? We must stop focusing on the things we feel are so important, unfocus God. Folk says, focus on the sheep, I will take care of you. Just focus on the sheep, I'll take care of you. Don't be concerned, as in the scripture says, don't be concerned about you what you will wear in Matthew chapter 6 or put on. Don't be concerned about all. It doesn't mean not to, be, not to think about it. It just means don't worry about it. Don't distress yourself about it because I'll take care of you. Focus on my kingdom first and everything else will be added unto you. When he says the kingdom, he doesn't mean the kingdom to come. He means the kingdom we're in now. Focus on my kingdom and the work of my kingdom and my kingdom agenda for the nation and I will take care of you. The scripture tells us we are freedom fighters. Living outside of God's purpose is living outside of God's power. Make sure that you're listening to what God says about you not what they in other words don't let your failures dictate you but let your victories make you help you to go forward in all that God has for you one night one day i was sitting i had a room then in someone's home and i was on my knees praying and i oh, through the window i saw the it was winter time there were no leaves on the tree but there was a bird on the tree and the holy spirit just had i just had an encounter with him of how Precious I am to him, and he cares that bird with no leaves. He takes care of that bird. That bird is fed, so why wouldn't he feed me? Change my life. I love the moments that changes my life, and I try not to go backwards. Something has happened in you. and try, Learn from our victories rather than from our failures. Don't look at the failures. Look at the victories. Don't let your, vict- your failures I, uh, I identify you. Let your victories tell you who you are in Christ.